0: I missed up tonight. I lost another fight. I still miss up, but I'll just start again. I keep on down. I keep on hitting the ground. But I always get up now to see what's next. Birds don't just fly, they fall down. And
1: get Welcome to the Berkeley Innovation Podcast. This series is brought to you by the Sitarja Center for Entrepreneurship and Technology, SCET, here on the thriving campus of the University of California, Berkeley. Hello friends, this is Stephen Torres, your host on this journey of entrepreneurial innovation and technology leadership. On this episode, we're joined by Moore Shu. Moore is a PhD candidate in mathematics here at Berkeley. He's affectionately known as the Game Master, because he's helped create and execute some of SCET's experiential games used in the Berkeley method of entrepreneurship to help students learn entrepreneurial skills. Over the past five summers, Moore has been part of the SCET European Innovation Academy program and oversees all of the games during the Berkeley Leadership Week. Moore is interested in games and loves working on all types of puzzles and it certainly shows more Uh, welcome to the program
0: thanks for having me here
1: Uh, of course um so we're going to talk a little bit today about games and specifically how we uh at the starja center and you've been working uh closely with ken how you use games why we use games some things that are, are going on um and so forth sound pretty pretty cool
0: yeah, okay. so games, uh, I see games as being one of the best ways to teach, especially to teach entrepreneurship. Why, why, why is that? So, so at the center, we like to think about teaching not just about delivering content, yeah. but also about giving students experiences that match what they would see in the real world outside of a university setting.
1: I see. So let, let me, so me kind of step back. How in the world... Did you get into teaching with games? I mean, you know, your background is math, um, getting your PhD in math. Where did games come in? How did that how did that come about? So I've always liked games, puzzles, whether
0: it's building like building with blocks, whether it's jigsaw puzzles, mm-hmm. whether it's logic puzzles, all these different types of puzzles. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed that as a way to sort of exercise your brain. Sometimes in math you have hard problems they have to work on for weeks or months at a time and games are kind of like that but they're known to have a simple solution and oftentimes you can solve one of these logic puzzles or what play one of these games in just a few hours so it's refreshing to have something that has a clean solution but requires some mental thought
1: gotcha and so how did you first get together with ken the managing director of scet to start bringing these games into entrepreneurial learning.
0: Right, so Ken was looking for someone to help him run his games in his mm-hmm. entrepreneurship courses. And at the time, I didn't know anything about Ken's classes at Berkeley, but we had a mutual friend who was an instructor in the math department who introduced me to Ken. And basically, the introduction was, oh, so this, so this guy, Ken, wants someone to who does a lot of games and puzzles to help him with his class. You like games and puzzles, would you be interested? And I said, well, that sounds like fun, so I'll do it. And here we are.
1: (laughs) And of course, you lead a lot of the games for the EIA program and uh, several games that he uses in, in lots of teaching and training around campus and all over the world. When you start looking at a game, how does it come about? What are you thinking about? So I'm thinking about what uh, we can
0: teach the students in this game setting, right? Mm -hmm. There's always a learning target that we want the students to get out of it, Mm -hmm. whether it's to learn about uh, their behavior in a particular social situation, whether it's to learn about their behavior when they're put on a team with other students, whether it's to learn about how to talk to people outside of the class or outside of their social context, maybe in entrepreneurship, those might be customers, those might be partners that they sign up from vastly different places that they're not familiar with. So these games are supposed to simulate real world situations without having to actually go through the long
1: process of finding one of those real world situations. Mm -hmm. And when you construct a game, what's going through your mind? Is it just the actual learning outcome? Are there other factors that come in and when you construct this game? So we want to make
0: sure that the games are fun for the students we want them to see the game as an as an actual game and not Mm -hmm. just as another boring lesson and we want them to we want the game to do something that they haven't seen before i see
1: and so some students look at this as torture in a good way not in a bad way right um when students come up to you and give you feedback how does that parlay into the next game that you build
0: well, some games do end up being torture for some of the students. <laughs> they, they just... I mean, a lot of times, the games end up putting students into these uncomfortable situations that they run into in real life. I mean, we want them to tackle those situations early on mm-hmm. in a in a familiar, supportive classroom setting rather than having that first interaction with reality be in actual reality, right? But sometimes... I mean, we ask students what they learn. Sometimes mm-hmm. what they learn is the same as what we wanted them to learn. Sometimes it's not, and that's a time when we want to take that game, adjust it, and maybe it turns into the same activity. turns into a game for maybe a different uh, learning
1: target perhaps mm-hmm. as well. And the, the feedback obviously is, is key, right? And, and when I say feedback, I mean the actual debrief. Are those debriefs part of the learning process, do you think? Or are those a separate entity? Meaning, are they getting stuff just through doing the game? Or is the debrief the big aha moment?
0: I think the debriefs are an essential part of of the learning process for these games. I think without the debrief process, the games are just games. A lot of the times, the students don't even necessarily realize that they're learning something in these games. It's just, uh, I've had students tell me that what they went through was just a social experiment. That was all, right? They didn't see what they were supposed to learn right after the game happened. But then we put them in a room and debrief, and that's where we have them talk about their experience, Mm -hmm. and then connect their experience with lectures that they might've had earlier in the day, with other things that they might be going on, their projects and their classes, and we say, okay, well, you went through this experience. Now, do you see how this relates to something else that you might've done this week? So you maybe you went out and you had to meet some strangers and talk to mm-hmm. them. Then maybe you've also been talking to customers or maybe you'll be doing that um, in one of your projects or one of your startups later on, right? Do you see the connection there? And often that's where we see the aha moment where the students basically say, oh, I didn't realize that we were supposed to get something out of this. Mm. But now that I think back on it or reflect on it, then we have actually learned
1: something. So w- why do you think other uh, classes besides entrepreneurship, why don't they use these types of games?
0: Well, a lot of times, so entrepreneurship is about So entrepreneurship is about learning a process, right? It's mm-hmm. learning about the process of entrepreneurship and the mindset of entrepreneurship, thinking about a, a world in which everything is possible and they have to work on a team and and tackle real problems. And that's different from classes in other disciplines in in a university setting where you might actually need to teach real t- teach uh, teach content. For example, in, uh, in in my experience in math, right, um, it's actually important that students in math classes learn to uh, learn to perform certain calculations, learn certain techniques, and do them exactly the same way as it's always been done for centuries and centuries. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that if you change the rules of math, and then you use that math to, for example, go build something, the thing you build might not stay up yeah <laughs> right so there, there's definitely situations in which we need to do things the same as mm-hmm. they always have been done but entrepreneurship is about really breaking the rules and doing something totally fresh and totally new and that's a situation in which simply having a lecture format where a professor goes and delivers content and the students listen and take notes that's not really the right format because students shouldn't copy what the professors have already done. Mm-hmm. That's not entrepreneurship.
1: So where would you see more of these games fitting in?
0: I think these games fit in basically anytime students need to learn about the real world, right? In, in, in school, oftentimes we think about, oh, so we're gonna have exams, we're gonna have homework, you're going to learn all this stuff, read the textbook, listen to the professor, take an exam at the end, and, and that's it, right? That's a that's a typical university class or a high school class or a class at any level that we've been through. Even a lot of professional, professional seminars have been like this. Right. But oftentimes when we want students to really uh, be able to apply their experience to the real world, that's when we want to make the learning process like the real world. And the games are a good way to get a big dose of that real-world thinking in a, in a controlled setting and to do it fast, right? A lot of times in when you are in a startup team or if you're in a company and you're on a team trying to solve a problem, it might take several days, for example, to have a particular team conflict that the team needs to resolve. And with games, we can accelerate that process. And within just a few minutes, be at that point Where the team has an issue they need to resolve, and then dive straight into how do you deal with this particular situation now.
1: So, do you think this type of experience or experiential learning crosses the chasm into corporate trainings?
0: Yes, I do. So, I think in corporate training and in entrepreneurship training, all this experiential learning is really about, is really not about just has a student learned a thing that the instructor wrote down at the beginning that the student is supposed to learn but can the student apply that lesson to what they actually are doing and whether that's mm-hmm. in corporate training or whether that's in one of the classes at, at the center it, it's all uh, it all leads to the same outcome mm-hmm. which is that the students will need to be able to actually execute
1: so when you're designing these games then And you talk about the execution um, that students have to learn. Do you tailor them to say, okay, we have more undergrads in this class or this particular class is for graduate students or maybe this is for uh, professionals, executive education. Are they tailored or are the games similar because the outcome is going to be similar?
0: We think about the, the students that we have in, in our class for our games mm-hmm. a little bit, right? It does matter whether the students are just out of high school or whether they've been in college for a long time, whether they're more engineering focused or whether they're more business focused. But after that, it doesn't actually matter very much what, who the students are. A lot of times the lessons end up being the same. So we'll adjust a little bit. Based on, based on the students' backgrounds, whether, for example, we need to assume that they know something about business or whether we need to assume that they know something about engineering, but, and in terms of whether they have a particular life or work experience. But beyond that, really, the lessons are the same. A lot of times, the lessons are about how do you work on a team together with other people who maybe aren't like you, who don't speak a common language or maybe a common professional language. How do you uh, how do you interact with people who um, who you just meet who aren't like you at all, right? Um, how do you problem solve um, in a very short amount of time um, under situations with a lot of pressure? We know not enough resources, so all of these things that affects everybody regardless of whether they're undergraduate. Graduate
1: or more of a professional in a company. I see. It doesn't matter. I see. And so if I'm a CEO or executive at a company and I have some skills, you know, you mentioned communication or solving problems, and you know that this is an issue, outside of, of course, taking SCET classes and, you know, having our education, what would you? suggest they think about as far as putting something together for their teams? I would suggest that they think
0: about what uh, their teams should learn mm-hmm. and then trying to find a situation in which they might struggle, right? Um, and that might be an example. Purposely, purposely struggle. Purposely struggle. That might be finding example from, from their experience in which they have struggled in the past, and really thinking about distilling that into into a single moment. Right? Maybe they struggled during a sales campaign, but what part of that sales campaign did they struggle in? Was it when they first? Was it when they were looking for leads? When was it when they first met a customer? Was it during one of the later meetings when they were trying to close a deal? What what part did? At what point did the team struggle? And if they struggled, why did they struggle? And if we can distill that down into a single moment, then we can reproduce that moment and say, okay, let's skip the weeks of work before we got to that pain point hmm. and focus on that point and figure out what can we do to make
1: that better. I see, and this is fascinating. I mean, this is really cool stuff and I'm sure a lot of listeners are gonna, gonna love this. If you had to give the same advice to another educator, right? You know, obviously, um, you know, we have some amazing educators who kind of understand this. But for educators who may not understand the importance of bringing in another modality of learning, how would you explain to them to bring this into an educational
0: Right, so I see education as not just being about take classes and get a degree, Mm -hmm. but about what the students are going to be able to do afterward with their experience in school. And in that sense, education isn't just, we want the students to learn our syllabus or learn the requirements for our degree, but we really want to think about what can the students do afterward in their careers. What sorts of jobs are they going to have? What is their progression after school? Mm -hmm. And as educators, I think it's important that we prepare students for the real world. So that's what I would explain, is that if we think about what we wanna prepare students for afterward, yes, all the material that we, we teach in a traditional format, that still matters. That's still useful knowledge for the students to understand, but Beyond that, there's also this expectation that students have that they'll have a career afterward, that they'll, they'll uh, be prepared to take on certain jobs and tackle certain challenges. And that's something that we should prepare them for as well. And that's something where these, uh, this experiential learning is really helpful. Mm-hmm. It helps them connect what they learn with the real world so that it sticks better and they're better able to apply it in their life after school.
1: Well, and I think that's the big, one of the big challenges that we have in education is do students actually remember this stuff, right? If we just sit there and cram a bunch of theory down their throat with no practical application, typically they know enough to get through their final exam. Beyond that, good luck to them. Right. Right. And so in saying that, how, how do you merge the two, right? We, we obviously are at an amazing research institution, and the theory is, I don't want to say king, but it certainly ranks up there more so than this practical application. So these are, I, I don't want to say they're in contrast or conflict, but there certainly are some areas where there's some differences. How do we rectify that? How do we bring those two together more?
0: Um, hmm. so it is, I think it's important to understand that most students, uh, after school are not going to go on to do research Mm -hmm. and go on to academia and go on to be professors. They're not going to follow the same life path as their professors follow. Instead, they're going to plot out their own route through life, which oftentimes requires, um, going into industry, requires going, knowing about other disciplines and, and requires applying what they've learned to, to, to their lives, right? To, to their jobs, to future careers. And a lot of the times we see that we see, a lot of times we see that professors don't always realize that. Mm -hmm. So there's certainly classes that I've taken in the past in which I remembered everything for the final exam, and after that, it went away. But I think the classes that stuck with me the most are the classes where I saw a clear application outside of that particular classroom, where perhaps not only did I learn something, but I learned about a context in which I might be able to apply it, mm-hmm. in which I learned some skill outside of, outside of a particular concept. Mm-hmm. right? So it's it's easy to make students learn concepts. We can just lecture and tell them whatever they should know and give them a quiz or an exam on that later. But concepts aren't the same as skills. Right? Concepts are things that are like encyclopedia knowledge. Right? Uh, concepts are things where students uh, can learn it on their own, outside of a university, outside of a classroom setting. But skills are things that students are able to just pick up and apply, they're like tools. And a lot of times, concepts can become skills uh, given the right push. Mm -hmm. And that's where experiential learning comes in. It it comes in taking a particular concept that a student has learned Mm -hmm. and turning that into a skill right turning a piece of knowledge into a tool that a student
1: can use to solve a problem how do we get more professors to understand that or to utilize it right it's not that they don't understand some of these concepts because i believe they do um at times, it may be challenging for them to bring that, though, to bridge that gap. How do we get more professors to, to do this, to use these games, to understand the, the practical application, in particular for those students who aren't gonna be going into academia, who aren't going into the research?
0: I'd encourage professors to talk to uh, professors from other departments, from other disciplines, and to talk to people outside of, their, outside of academia. Um, to actually talk to, to actually talk to people who are in the careers that their students might have in the future, mm-hmm. right? It, oftentimes in a university setting, right, it's hard for us to see what the real world is like outside of school. Right? We, uh, it's easy for us to live in this bubble where we're in a university. Everything we see is the university. We see other faculty we see other students and we can just forget that the real world is out there what it's like right and be to meet people from other disciplines either in the university in other departments or outside the university i think that's really helpful for having that context so that when we're talking to students and teaching students we have the context of this class this discipline isn't the only thing out there they'll actually need to learn about how to apply this to the world, how to work with other people. That often gets lost when we assign grades to students on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. How to work with other people. And all of that is important. And I think with the proper context, it's a lot easier for us as educators to be able to see how best to help a student.
1: Well, and and I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, not to to the our own horns here, but when you actually see you engage in these games and in particular, the diversity, right? One of the things that's really great about these games is there's a lot of diversity on teams. There's a lot of intermingling of team members to make sure that that continues. And that's all part of the overall experience, right? Right. And. I mean, this is fascinating. This is, this is great, and I, obviously I'm a big believer in the games um, and, and love them. What do you think is next? What's the evolution of this experiential learning?
0: I think in the modern world, more and more we're going to see that, stu- that uh, I think in the modern mo- world, more and more we're gonna see that students are going to, ha- going to careers in which they're not supposed to be an expert at just one thing Hmm. right it used to be that we could have experts on manufacturing a particular part for example right and these are a lot of a lot of these careers are now being automated right being an expert at one thing one particular piece of knowledge that's an easy thing to automate away and in the modern world the things that are hard to automate away are things that require knowing a a wide diversity of different skills and also skills that involve working with people Hmm. because at the end of the day we aren't machines and machines aren't going to replace us at least not too soon (laughs) yeah and we hope we hope and what we hope that students will be able to do is to go into those careers because that's where they can have an impact in the modern world. And what I hope to see is that experiential learning will help students do that. Right. Right? More and more experiential learning will better prepare students for the modern world and the demands that modern careers, modern challenges present.
1: Wow, that, that's awesome. So one last little fun thing here before we go. What is the favorite song that you've been listening to lately
0: favorite song
1: yeah
0: Ooh, that's a hard one you know i listen to all sorts of things but um occasionally something just gets stuck in my head yeah um and one song that's been one song that's been stuck in my head that feels relevant um, is "Try Everything." Try everything by. Uh, I don't remember actually. Try everything. try everything. It was from Zootopia.
1: Zootopia. Okay. Why? Why did that pop into you? Why is that stuck in your head?
0: So that popped into my mind because that fits uh, that fits entrepreneurship really well, in the sense that we want people to try everything, to not just be fixed in their ways. Um, to actually go out and experiment and explore and not be afraid of failure. So that was a theme song for one of our programs a couple years back and it's really stuck. So well,
1: as we're talking about entrepreneurship, that's the one that comes to mind. Awesome. Horseshoe thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Sometimes we come last but we did our best I won't give up